have Tommy on the podcast. So you go by Tommy Allgood. Is that your real last name? No, it's not. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Thomas. Thomas Garvin. <laughs> okay. So do people call you Tommy? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So great. So and Tommy is a life coach. He's a nurse. He is a you you said you're on the board of nonprofit, so you kind of do a ton of things. So yeah. that's really cool. I do some business consulting. Um, I uh, was moderating uh, in a group called the Liturgists on their Facebook community for a while. And so um, taking a little break from that to engage in some other endeavors and yeah. 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 I've listened, listened to the Liturgists <laughs> podcast once. I, I'm familiar with it, but I've only listened once when um, Jamie Lee Finch was on it. She okay, was interviewed. Yeah. So I listened to that because somebody had sent it to me, but I'm not super familiar with the whole thing so yeah yeah i have some friends here that uh, got the opportunity to have dinner with her and she's just uh, th- yeah she's just a beautiful human yeah so, she seems yeah. great so yeah. awesome well thank you for being on with me today so the thing that i liked about tommy when we just met the other day so it's, i don't know i don't know you that well yet but i loved that you were super authentic i could sense i could feel that like freedom and you just are who you are and you share what you want to share. And I love that. I think that's amazing. And so we're going to talk about that today, but also Tommy's a Christian. And so he talks about that. Tommy, you're gay. So we're going to talk about your, um, your journey with sexuality while being a Christian and all things that really hit home for me, because it's a journey that I've been on as well. Just like rewiring my views on my sexuality and the way that I viewed all of that. So we're just going to dig in and we're just going to see where it goes. And I know I'm really excited about this and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and just about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I, I will say I like to give myself permission to like some days I'm a Christian and some days I might not be just to give yourself that flow sort of of, of feeling in playing. Um, and I think that's a deeply spiritual and scriptural uh thing even the the scriptures say to keep testing Mm -hmm. the quality of our faith and to see you know and so it's like and to give myself the freedom to be honest because it's like all right if i'm not on like god already knows what's in my heart right so like (laughs) might as well just say how i feel yeah and so yeah yeah there's some days i wake up and i strongly identify with that label of Christian and there's some days that I'm like eh, maybe not today and but I think the one I don't know if you get if the audience will be familiar with like Richard Rohr but I'm loving sort of this idea of Christian mystic uh of late so <laughs> yeah I'm totally there with you and it's funny because I've taken this not even a stance but I would say I've just ran from Christianity and ran from the label, ran from the church, ran from the like uh, organized religion. But as you're talking, I do identify, I mean, whatever. And my next question, I'm going to cycle into this, but 
what does Christianity even mean? Because for me, it's like, I really connect with Jesus, the Mm -hmm. concept of Jesus, the idea, the, um, the friendship, the, um, having like a partner, I really identify with that. Like when I'm meditating, that really feels good to me. The Holy spirit, not so much anymore because it was such a woo woo thing for me. And it was such a, uh, bizarre, like there was a lot of demonic things with it and all of that. And then God, you know, that's a tricky one because it's like the judgment, the wrath and all of that. So there's components of it that I can, I can see that I agree, like wake up in the morning. I'm like, I feel, I feel like a Christian today. And yeah. other days I'm like, I would die before I ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I love that. That's too, and to me, that represents freedom. That, that tells me that you feel so free to be who you are in the moment and, and honor your feelings in that moment. And that's so incredibly healthy. And I don't see that. I don't see a lot of healthy people like that. How did you get to that point where you could just be who you are in the moment, not really even needing the label? It's it's been a journey. I I think it's it's still a journey. I don't think I've arrived. Um, But what I will say is is I think it's more of a practice. Um, Being authentic, being free in spirit, because I think that there's a... We also need to differentiate a freedom uh, in spirit versus a physical freedom because there are some people that are actual face physical oppressions uh, by things seen and unseen, right? And so I think it's important to acknowledge that in any conversation. But really what I think when we talk about when we talk about being authentic is this like in that connection to spirit is this spiritual authenticity, this spiritual Mm -hmm. freedom. And you know, that was a journey because I grew up in such a, a a tradition that said, this is the way that things must be. With such certainty, with such certitude. And you could question, but only within the confines yep. of these questions. In the grace bubble. Yeah. And so I just found that highly incongruent with the actual teachings of God being expansive and how could we ever know God? How could we be so presumptuous as to put God in just 66 books, what we call the Bible, when Jesus said that not even all the scrolls in the world could uh, contain his works? And so it just felt like we, in those traditions, were constricting and and confining, putting God in these confines that I wasn't sure came from God. <laughs> it, it didn't, didn't feel like feel, love. Right. It didn't feel like love. It felt a lot like oppression. Mm-hmm. And being gay, being an African-American who lives in U.S. America, where we have a history that we don't often want to talk about, um, there's that history and narrative of what it feels like to be oppressed and not just to be oppressed physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so I just sort of started this journey of discovery, of rooting in and asking questions and going into those painful spots and those questions that people said that you're never supposed to ask and looking for what felt like truth in that. So that's sort of a broad summary of mm-hmm. like, you're probably like, what in the world? <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that resonates with me. My question for you is you make it sound really beautiful. And I know sure as shit that there are 
it was not that pretty and smooth. And if it was, tell me your, you know, because I've been on the same journey of, and so you say, um, what did you say? God is good or goodness or something you were talking about, like your, you boil God down to, to this. What did you say when we were talking on Sunday? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. Let me preface that with acknowledging what you said in terms of the ease of it is hell it's painful (laughs) yeah um it's down it's damn painful Mm -hmm. i just want to speak into i i think it's it's painful for a multitude of reasons one being the shame that we create around it and how we identify how just biologically we identify as a communal species and so our communities are tied around to our belief systems and our belief structures mm-hmm. and when those things begin to change and there's that fear of losing that community that feels like real and present danger it in your feels body. like death it feels yes. like you're in it and it is in a way death i've had i've experienced that where you're grieving the loss of something that you may not ever ha- it's not, probably never going to be the way it was yeah, and so death and then going into this process of rebirth or resurrection, as, yeah. as I would like to say, right? And yeah. I feel like life is a cycle of death and resurrection. Yeah. But what we do is we fight that cycle mm-hmm. and because yeah. we try to avoid pain, mm-hmm. but pain is actually a part of life. Pain mm-hmm. actually serves us and lets us know that there's something wrong. In the nursing world, when I'm taking care of a patient and we're talking about, I'm always assessing their pain. Mm-hmm. And if there's new pain or the quality of that pain, because that pain gives me information and it mm-hmm. gives me direction as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I think we've been a culture conditioned to comfort. Yes. Um, and a, a culture conditioned not to n- experience pain, but to numb it. This yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love that. And that's exactly how I was. Like any, uh, I grew up in a really had a good life. I was in a predominantly white community, free Methodist, like nothing really could go wrong. My parents had money, like, a, you know, we were middle class, like we didn't, I wasn't poor. I had no concept of actual pain. And anytime pain would come in, I would numb. Um, emotions were weakness, you know, so uh, the concept of going through really painful, I think people that have gone through pain, like Tony Robbins talks about his mom used to beat him, he, he was starving, he like didn't know where his next meal was coming from. And that his relationship to pain was so strong, like he knew what was on the other side of it, he knew that that propelled him forward. I didn't know that I didn't learn that till I was 28, 29. I don't even know 28. Yeah. And so that was like, <laughs> It's interesting being on that side of it. It's interesting being on the really cushy, comfortable, really good life, you know, because then when it's like you want to grow, you have to force yourself to go into that pain. You have to really like open up and and have a good relationship with the pain and the fear because those are both really useful tools. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of just leads into sort of this idea that I believe is very scriptural. And I think that especially for those of us who come out of evangelical backgrounds, we often skip over or we miss. I think that we often talk in my spiritual community or my church community, we, uh, we say that we often skip over the first three chapters of the Bible where it talks about creation <laughs> and it talks about God looking at creation and calling it good. Like that's the first chapter of the Bible. In yeah. the beginning, God created and he called it good. And we are part of creation. We are part of the cosmos. So therefore we are good. That's the starting point. Yeah, like our nature, our nature is goodness. 
Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. taught that. I was taught that we were born separated from love, separated from goodness because of the fall, right? And so we're born sexually broken. We're born separated. And then we have to like somehow find our way back. Like literally that's exactly what I was taught. Yeah. And so it's so funny that we're taught that, but then where is Jesus in all of that? Because if we if if we're born separate, then what I'm getting conflicting messages with what Jesus means. Then if then I have to live my life in this way in which I am broken or I am separated from. The beginning point was it is good, and the story that I hear when I read scripture is that yes, there was a separation, there was a brokenness. But this Christ figure came and shed his blood for all of us. And it's good in that. And so I think for me, we're back to that starting point of it is good. But the fun of it is that we get to enjoy and be a part of creation and to explore God. The scriptures say God reveals himself in creation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet that's the thing that we don't take care of. Yeah. It's the thing that we most often neglect. Like how many of us actually stop to look up at the sky in the day? Right. That's a beautiful thing about this quarantine. I'm like, I've been in nature more than I've more than ever. You're forced into it. If you want to go outside, you got to go. You got to go. We've been hiking and all that. And I, I just look at it. So that was one of the things when I really changed my beliefs, I walked outside and I was like, I see in color for the first time. I, everything was black and white and fuzzy and muddled. And now I see things so clearly, but that was really, yeah. Like you said, God revealing himself. Like that's not new. That's always been there. If everything is black and white, then why is there so many colors that I'm looking at right now? <laughs> right? Yeah. I, like, yeah. It, it, it's so, why do we make God into things that, that we don't see in creation? If so God true. reveals himself in creation, why do why do we make God into things that he is not? Because our mind he, can't she, even. they, what, yeah. like, like yeah. even yeah. that, even, he, that's human language. Mm-hmm. Like, when we talk about language, right, it's mm-hmm. how we, language is a creation. It's an art form. Mm-hmm. that we use to express our reality, expressing who you are, who I am, even in, in, in like God is spirit. God doesn't have genitalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God yeah. doesn't have. So why do we assign gender to God? Right. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. You know, the book, and I'm sure you're uh, the shack. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. the and I never read the book, but the movie came out and I went to see it in theaters and I am still wrecked by it. Like when yeah. I'm meditating, I go back to the beautiful cottage. Like I just, it fucking wrecked me. And yeah. I remember the church losing their fucking minds over God being depicted as a black woman. Mm-hmm. And when he's talking to her and he's saying, why are you a woman? Why are you? And she's like, well, I am who you need me to be. And you can't handle a father right now. Mm. And I just was like fucking wrecked. I'm like, God is, I am a female and I am created in the image of God. And so I, it just blew my mind. It just blew the fucking lid off of the whole thing for me. That started the journey of like understanding, even though it just cracked open a little bit of it, it just started this like, maybe just maybe the way that we look at it is not actually how it is yeah i mean just just to sort of go off on and riff off of that 
Um, it makes me think about the scriptures in the burning bush where you know, Moses gets his image and we learn God's name for the first time and the meaning of it. And it goes, I am that I am. When I first read that as a kid, I was like, what in the world does that <laughs> even mean? Yeah. And then inviting Jewish texts and Jewish tradition to reveal like, oh, God's name, it was like the breath, like breath being creative energy, like the things that breathe, create and live. Yeah. And then even expanding that it farther beyond that to like ever look up above a tree canopy and see the trees moving together. It looks like the forest is breathing yeah. in and out and in and yeah. out. But then even expanding it into the cosmos. The cosmos aren't static. The universe is shrinking and expanding and growing and expanding. And, and when I think of that and I think of I am that I am or I will become what I will become or I will be what you need me to be in that moment for me and and, no, and thinking about God revealing himself in creation it just that can almost translate for me to I am the spark I am creation and so if I am creation it think, makes me think about the imago day or being made in the image of God that we as humans bear that image that yeah. marking that mark of creation how holy is it then to start at you are good and if the things in your life don't line up with that then it's not god and that's what i that was my healing journey i i go back to and it's the same concept but love it can't got to me it boils down to god is love but the tricky thing with love is if you have a fucked up view of what love is that can get really Screwy. Mm-hmm. I thought love was manipulation. I thought love was getting people saved. I thought love was right. So, but rewiring my definition of love then as a feeling, does this feel like love to me? Does this feel good to me? Does this, and that being God to me, that's God. That's to me, it's like, does doing this or saying this or being around this feel like a loving energy to me? And it goes back to it, it's good. You know, we we are love. We are good. We are pure. We are on a soul, like so fucking pure. Mm. And, and if our beliefs don't line up with that, then that's not God and that's not love. It yeah. Be. Yeah. And I think you mentioned like love definitions of love and I think you know you and I talked Sunday about how I think we have to reckon with our history and how we have um, the society that we live in the history of what we come from and even our the church's participation in oppression and conquest Um, and until we get honest with that history then I think we'll always have those wonky and skewed definitions of what it means to love well and we won't be able to love well and I couldn't love you a year ago I couldn't have loved you yeah I, I couldn't have I wasn't capable why because I was up here because I knew what was right and wrong and I knew what was good and bad. And my goal is obviously you're broken and I'm not. So I have to get you saved. That's how I would have viewed. Little did I know I was just as fucking broken, but because I was white, because I had money, because I checked all the fucking boxes, I could society, I could get away with being up here. I could get away with staying up here and 
my, then love to me became a conquest. How many people can I get to believe what I believe? How many people, everybody's a project. Every And I fucking truly felt that way. I'm not even making that up. I really felt that way. So when you're talking about the history of African-Americans and the history, I feel that in my bones that that's what I was taught to believe. So now for me, it breaks me to think that I could ever, that's why I want to talk to you about the sexuality stuff because it, it is beyond what I can understand right now, but I'm so ready to be able to understand it because not understanding it is so hurtful. The way that I viewed other people was so incredibly hurtful and it was the opposite of God. And that was just like the turning point for me. I'm like, I'm putting things out there that are not love and they're not God and I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I I think, you know, we get into, it's just so ironic and it's okay to be in this place. and, And I want anybody listening if you're still hanging in there, some people might have ran for the hills, but if you're still in there, keep hanging in there. But I think we get to the places as we do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I what I mean by that is the triggers that you experience or the not readiness is because of the beliefs and the agreements that we have in our souls and our hearts that we have to get honest with. And so I always say that anybody coming not always say but I think that anybody coming out of an evangelical context especially a white person first has to be honest with themselves in their history and commit to changing it mm-hmm. commit to find yeah. living in a new way living in the image of God and being in that creation you already are but there's sort of this awareness that then becomes of it we become aware mm-hmm. of oh this way that I am in this moment is hurtful mm-hmm. to people. And so when I think about the greatest commandments, love God and love neighbor as yourself. Love God with your whole heart and love neighbor as yourself, right? I have to measure everything by its results and what it produces. Is it producing love or is it producing hurt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not talking about hurt in the name of love that we will yeah. maybe or may not experience. Is it yeah. producing hurt? actionable hurt or is it producing love and to me my views weren't hurtful to you because they were true and because um you're clearly sinning you're clearly broken so i'm loving you by telling you the truth that was the way and i would have gone to my fucking grave believing that yeah And instead, I didn't understand that, no, like, that's, it was just so cross. Like, the wires were just not connected. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we, when we think, when we look at it, we have a Christianity based in empire today, honestly. It saddens me, too, even, out of the context that you were in, you were abused as a woman, even in that context, by a cis, heterosexual, patriarchal, thing that we turned into God in the name of conquest, (laughs) in the name of money, profit, in the name of selfishness for a few people thriving. And we called that God. And we're all hurt by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all hurt by that. It fucked my life up. I married somebody that abused me and abused my kids. That's how deep that belief was. It was, it was so hurtful to other people. But what was it was hurting me. I was in so much pain. That that's all I had to, it was just spewing out more pain. And that belief was do the right thing. You know, all of these fucked up beliefs. But then of course that pain only produces more pain. And so I, my life was a total fucking wreck. 
Mm. Because yeah. of that. Yeah. And so I think there's power, even in your testimony, your story, there's power there in that acknowledgement of the systems of oppression that we're under and how even those systems of oppression can infiltrate our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want like to let that sink in. Systems of oppression can infiltrate our faith and create a, create, move us into positions where we become the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so uh, the question that I filter my life through these days, are the things that I'm doing liberating people or are they oppressing people? Mm-hmm. Because the God that created me is a God mm-hmm. of liberation. Yeah. And just you being liberated yourself is you're not going to oppress people when you feel liberated and you feel free and you feel all of these beautiful things. You're going to want to share that with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you say doing the work yourself. You can't give love if you don't feel love. Mm -hmm. And so like that, when I put all of that into the context of of sexuality, um, I talk about what's what looks liberating in that context and and what does that look like and so i got curious and i started asking questions why was it okay for king solomon who was the king of israel who had god's approval to have you know 500 wives a thousand concubines and all these slave girls and blah 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 that he was having coitus with right does God really care about that? And it's just to the point where the trajectory was, oh, one person, find your soulmate and be with that person. Is that what the scriptures are telling us? Or is is the scriptures creating in us a way to interact with the divine? And if I'm in the image of God and you're in the image of God, I'm divine. You're divine. Yes. So there's where my work is. How do I interact with you on a relational level in the way that liberates and promotes health? Mm-hmm. Love neighbor, love God, your whole heart, mind, love neighbor as yourself. We're back to that point. And so everything for me in a sexual context Mm -hmm. is through that lens of am I honoring and dignifying the person uh, that I'm looking at, the person that I am looking at as this divine Mm -hmm. image of God. And within that context, there's a lot of freedom, a lot of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so crazy to me because part of my sexual journey has been recognizing that my sexuality is so divine that it's not disconnected. I was created to orgasm. I was created to feel pleasure yes. sexually on yes. my own and yes. with another person. And so that to me, connecting that to God was a thing. because it was so separate it was like you can't think about god while you're orgasming like you have to think about a fucking porn in your head you have to think about you know and so that process and that journey was embracing i have a vagina i get to experience orgasm like in my body i get to and that to me when you're talking about being fully embodied as a divine mind body soul in the image of god that we were created with these parts. We were created with this yeah. gift of pleasure. And, but God's there. God's everywhere. He's always there anyway when you're orgasm and when you're not. So, yeah. like, hello. <laughs> yeah, but, but it seems so wrong. Uh-huh. Like, to me, it seems so like, what? That's like how asking your mom to come in there. What? You know, it's like, it seems yeah. so separate to me based on what I was taught. Again, we're putting human reactions, human responses into yeah. spirit, God form. Mm. And... Yes, your body is beautiful. Your body is meant to, and you know, like, why do we have senses? You know, yeah. why? Um, and and I don't say that to be callous to my disabled friends, yeah. uh, because they also have senses and 
teach such beauty about creation. Oh my gosh, you want a you want a humbling theology, theology of the disabled, right? Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And it's one that is a, a theology that is about consent. Mm. A theology that is about autonomy, a theology that is rooted in love and respect, right? And so if God is love, then I want to explore God in all of those ways, in all of the ways that produce love and what is love. And so I find myself asking myself this question of what is love? What does it mean to love well? And how can I express that in my life? Yeah. And I think that guides and dictates a lot of how I move throughout life. So. Yeah. And I think it's cool. Asking questions is something that I've been working on, too. It's like zoom out, step back, look at this objectively and start asking questions. How am I feeling? How is it? And that to me, I'm such an I used to be can, can still be like such an impulse person. And it's like train yourself to step back and ask some really fucking practical questions. Yeah. Yeah. There's this holy example in Jesus in that Jesus life was one of action and contemplation before any action. There was mm. contemplation thought and prayer and feeling feeling yes like there was like the scriptures say jesus wept yes yeah right but the beauty that's exactly how i feel like in my meditations i'll like weep and i'll feel so sad or happy or whatever but then it's like bringing yourself back and then and then doing something about it and that's the action is what I think a lot of people are missing that that intuitive action that I fucking know in my soul that I know that I need to do this. And that takes training. That takes connecting, but not just sitting there in like your Zen state and weeping for the whole fucking day. It's like, do something. What are we going to, we have to, like, we have that responsibility of creating, like bringing that to life, you know? Yeah. And you just pointed out that you bridged the gap there. So for me, the to be alienated from God was to say that my intuition is bad because I am bad. So we are back to my starting point has to be, it is good. Ah, and that intuition though, like, I could talk about this all day. So my intuition was always discernment Mm -hmm. and it was always a gut sick feeling in my stomach. Like I would walk in and I'm like, like, this is Mm -hmm. not good. Like I could always tell darkness versus, you know, But learning that my intuition can be trusted, Mm -hmm. my intuition is real, it's valid, it's intelligent, it's like giving myself that power. It's like that, that was part of my journey too. It's like, I get to fucking decide based on how I feel what is best for me. And then what, and that's part of liberation. That's part of freedom. And then you can but we weren't trained to use our intuition. And and I want to be even be careful that darkness is a bad. I want to. I would love to hear expand that. And yeah. and open yeah. up on yeah. that because I think when we think about creation, there's so much darkness in creation. Darkness and, meaning what? Right. Exactly. What do we mean <laughs> when we say darkness? And usually yeah. the dark, the dark. You know, we talk about stay in the light. God lives, resides in the light. Um, and then, you know, we associate dark with these like really dark satanic places yes. like hell and all. Yes. You know, right. Yeah. But when we think about darkness, like, yes, it can have those connotations. But let's just, I just want to root in on the beauty of darkness. If you go into outer space, it's real dark. But you recognize your smallness. Yeah. And all of that. You recognize that there's creation happening, stars dying, galaxies being created. All of this is happening in darkness. You think about a child being created 
in the belly, a sperm and an egg meet, and then the child's implanted in the mom's uterus and it grows. All of that happens in darkness. We've been conditioned to be afraid of things that are dark, things that are black, and not to see the beauty of the creation that happens in the darkness, not to see the beauty of refinement that happens when we're in tune with our dark side, those Mm -hmm. dark places, rooms that we don't want to sit in and open Mm -hmm. up. And so I just want to challenge people, especially in those in the coaching world, of how we talk about light and how we talk about this darkness, uh, because we tend to want to push away all the negative. We want to push away discomfort. But joy is not the absence of discomfort, but the ability to move through it. Absolutely. And if you run from and it's going back to the pain, like when you're running from the pain, you have no choice but to numb and pretend and be something that you're not. But when you dig into the pain and you really sit with it and you fucking feel it for exactly what it is then you have an option to feel real joy mm-hmm. but yeah. you can't feel the real joy without the real pain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. that's just part of that's just part of life but it's, that is that is how we are we are created biologically we have we, we accept that we have a flight or flight response biologically pain is meant for our survival yeah. so listen to it people yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it is put there so that we can be aware of the environments and receive those warning signs so that we can know that fire is hot and it will burn and destroy but at the same time fire in its proper context is a creative agent it is a life-sustaining agent right and so i i think that i don't know i lost my thought on that one but what? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we're talking about so many yeah. things yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to let's go back to the sexuality thing because this is really important and this is what i ultimately reached out to you because i was curious about this so you're talking about expressing your love your connection your goodness all of that sexually just like you would express it talking just like you would express it about it's all connected you get to express that anyway and sexuality is a part of it so what does that practically speaking look like for you and how have you gotten to the point where first of all how the fuck have you got to the point where you could freely talk about it and you're just like yeah it is what it is i love that yeah so um for me that looks like embracing the fact that i have the ability to love multiple people embracing the fact that there is an aspect of me that is polyamorous and that I've been conditioned to exist in a society that tells me that love exists in scarcity. And I don't want, I want to make a distinction between the imposition of societal construct and then someone making a choice about the exercise of love for themselves in a monogamous loving situation where that is consented to. This whole thing, this whole idea is rooted in dignity and consent of the other person. And I think what we tend to do, because it goes against a societal construct or a societal norm, is that we say that people who are polyamorous, uh, and I also want to acknowledge the patriarchal aspect of it that, that we know heavily about, right? That we condition to say that this is so that men can have a reason to abuse women or to have sex with as many women as they want to and hoard and also we begin to get step into that space where we make pleasure a negative and talking about how you just want to have a space to ex- you know call it a slut essentially right mm-hmm. but i find it ironic that we glorify studs and then we slut shame mm-hmm. but they mean the same thing and apply to different genders that was yeah. something magical that blew my mind of like how we use language to construct our reality 
and then use it to be abusive towards people. And so we, where we glorify studs in society and hunks in like the, yeah. the sexuality of men, we've put women in a box that says, don't do this, protect your body. Uh, your, your, your body is men's properties. So I think we need to reckon with that, that that really overshadows how we look at relationship, relational models, and can often dictate what we believe is the right relationship model. Yeah. And I think step one is, is, and this is what I had to do with step one is there is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And there is no good or bad. I mean, certainly at to a degree, obviously, like is murder wrong, you know, but just going back to there is no right or wrong when I'm making a decision from love and from like with my intuition, right? Like I don't have to follow this guideline. And that yeah. for me, so for for me, I've gone outside of that and experienced God. And then for you to talk about something that has completely been out of my, I haven't even gone there. I haven't even explored that as an option. So to hear yeah. you talk about it, I was like a little taken aback at first because my initial, your initial reaction is to judge or make, an, make a judgment about whether you agree with something or not, whether it's right or wrong, right? And so for me, I've been able to like, okay, wait, that's not real. That's There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. And so to hear you talk about the way that you view sexuality and the way you express it has been to me, it's so beautiful because it's an opportunity for me to see things from a totally different angle. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't think I believe in right or wrong, good and bad from the context that I grew up originally with it. And yeah, in I think that's the thing, but I definitely still believe in sort of this right, wrong, good, bad idea. But I think that is intimately tied to honoring life and the dignity of others. Well, it's going back to pain versus love. Yeah. That, so it's not right or wrong. Is is this causing pain or is this producing love? And I yeah. think that that's as simple as it gets. Yeah. Is, is this producing, for me, love is life, right? And is this producing life in the person or is this producing qualities that rob that life that that drain that life that that energy that does not produce not even i don't even want to say produce because i think we live in a two a culture that idolizes production but is this the thing that brings up and supports and nourishes life and love Um, and so i think that has to be the the metric and then it's so key to know how we're entering into a space and so the fact that that could take make you take a step back and that you were able to check in with yourself and say, wait, I'm entering into a judgmental space. Mm-hmm. So let me be open and let me be curious. And the beautiful thing is like, you don't have to practice the thing that I do or do the yeah. thing that I do, but yet we're able to sit here and have a conversation and have that mutual respect and love for each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. Um, in which each other, the absolute best success in abundance in life yeah yeah and i think once you can get to once you get to that point where you can say it's not for me that's not how this is not something that i want in my life Mm -hmm. but i honor you yeah and i'm still going to come over for dinner to you and i'm still going to be proximate to you yeah i think that's when we're getting into more of a jesus-like spirit Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I was talking to Craig about it after our talk on Sunday. And I was like, I just got to tell you like the conversation I just had. And I'm like, I am just like, and so we were talking about it. And he's like, No, we're not doing that. (laughs) I was like, I'm not saying we're gonna do that. And then I was able to explain like, 
What I am saying is the beautiful way that you described it made me feel love. It made oh. me feel accepted. You know what I mean? So I, to me, that's my intuition telling me that I don't give a fuck what you do <laughs> because it just doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's some beautiful, 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 like, works out there that, that talks about this. And so uh, even within that, I think people's, if I'm, assessing sort of people's initial reactions it that a whole lot of insecurity is the first feeling that like yeah. comes up with well, and you asked me in, yeah. you asked me you're like so what are you so scared of and i was like and i you know my scarcity it just it just brought it to to light it brought that insecurity all of that up right away yeah and so the model of polyamory for me that i practice is sort of rooted in this emergent strategy it's, it's rooted in the what is the thing that emerges out of a relationship and what i notice um regardless of any relationship that you're in to sustain it to pour into it it takes work so instead of being a person that created shame around the fact that i have biological functions that continue to happen despite my love for someone deeply i'm going to be honest about those things because all of the pain that i saw the pain that i saw in my parents relationship when they got divorced the pain that i saw when my dad cheated was rooted up in this insecurity uh, and this mistrust uh, and the inability to communicate openly and honestly uh, with your partner. And so when these feelings emerge, I'm just honest with my partner about it. And um, how does I, that work for you guys? So how, I guess, how do you feel more so because we're talking about you, how do you feel when he has thoughts and feelings that are uncomfortable? I mean, it has to be, is it uncomfortable for you to hear his honesty? Oh, no, not anymore. Um, I think that I'm, I, I just had to sort of sit in a moment of meditation and think back to sort of the, the growth because I do, I've worked so hard on rooting out jealousy because um, mm-hmm. I don't find it very productive as much as informative for like areas in my life that I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and, and that's just what it was. It was that realization that whatever, whenever he would share things and those feelings would arise identifying them Mm -hmm. identifying the jealousy identifying the insecurity and saying all right well this is how i feel and then you know what for me love dictates oh if that's how you feel i'm gonna walk alongside you in that Mm -hmm. right i want you to know that i love you and i'm not leaving you and then also i in that same notion i want my feelings and emotions validated Mm -hmm. that that they are there and i want our love to be validated that Mm -hmm. Just because I have these feelings and emotions does not mean that I also do not love you deeply. Mm-hmm. And those were a lot of the conversations that we had to have is yeah. talking about the actual reality of in this moment, what is actually true? Mm-hmm. What is the truth of this moment? The truth of this moment is that I've made a connection with this person that has just grown and blossomed. And I still have feelings that are deep for you. And I still want to be with you. And I also want to continue to cultivate this relationship because it adds to my life. Um, And I think that it makes me a better person. And when I'm a better person, then our relationship is also better. And we're working with that together. How do you have time for that? Yeah. Because thoughts that come up would be like... I feel like I only, because ha- I have kids, I mean, but you're a busy dude too. So just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you're not busy. I I feel like all of my free time I want to spend with Craig. I can't imagine yeah. the energy, just the pra- like practically speaking, the energy it would take to be in a relationship with somebody else too. 
Yeah, so I think that's when we start talking about the cycles of life, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Life has cycles to it. So there are, there's been moments in life that I couldn't absolutely devote any time to any new relationships, any, and, and I say relationships broadly to say friendships, all of it. Yeah. Um, I like to look at everything as a relationship because you are, you know, when you interact with something, whether it's the ground or whatever, you're in relationship with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very, for me, that's how I practice walking through my day in a holy way, in a sacred way, is to recognize that I'm in relationship with everything that I touch. And there's power in that. And so it might be that, you know, your kids are not going to need you or be dependent on you forever. Sure. And you might find yourself with a whole lot of time mm-hmm. and people pouring into that time and emotions developing from people pouring into that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's there's credence to the seasons of life that we enter. And I think for me, the thing is to give myself permission for those ebbs and flows of the mm-hmm. seasons of life. Yeah. Um, and I think it's easier to keep something cultivated once it's established. So it might not be a time that you know, you have kids and you're wanting to pour into this and you're building this relationship, that's not, probably not the time to begin cultivating something else or to, you know, to, I think it takes to know your boundaries, right? Boundaries yeah. are so important in any relationship, period. Mm-hmm. Communication and knowing boundaries. What am I comfortable with? Where do I end? Where do you begin? Mm-hmm. Super important in any relationship. And they're not conversations that we have often in a healthy way in monogamous relationship models sure. because well, you're not there's pressed a, yeah. to yeah exactly mm-hmm. right and so but these are the things that we know keeps healthy relationships healthy mm, yeah absolutely <laughs> right interesting because i i feel like i'm growing so much right now in this season of life by just the nature of what I'm doing, starting a business, coaching, raising two little kids, went through a divorce, started a new relationship. I'm like, I fucking maxed out. But within just that, there are so many conversations where I have to raise my standards. I have to set higher boundaries for myself. And then I have to have those conversations with Craig because we're growing in our, we've been together for a year now. So it's like, we're growing in our relationship and all of that. So I feel like we have a lot of those conversations just naturally right now, but I can see, yeah, your kids are in high school, your kids are grown. Life becomes a lot, can become a lot more stagnant Mm -hmm. uh, or just calm. So yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Um, So I think one for time, there's giving the ebb and flows. And then two, like we prioritize the things that we care about, plain and simple. Yeah. We're all given the same amount of time mm-hmm. and we prioritize the things that we care about. Yeah. We prioritize the people that we care about. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this was super eye-opening for me. I mean, I I love hearing your perspective. And the thing that I love the most about you is bringing it all back to love, bringing it all back to Um, The thing that I resonated most with you was that connection to creation, that connection to the cosmos, that connection, because that's where I'm at in my spiritual journey. So then to hear your expression of that and to hear just practically speaking how that looks in your life and the way that you explain that, it has been super helpful for me. And I absolutely have gotten a ton out of this. So. Yeah, no, it's been such a pleasure. It's been such a pleasure. Um, you know, and just, I guess, to sum it up, it, you know, I think, again, so much of how I'm trying to model my life is what I see in nature, what I see in creation is getting comfortable with discomfort. One of the books that I read to sort of like create a mirror for me, it says that refusing to face discomfort, I'll start here, 
we would like to suggest the radical notion that being uncomfortable is not by itself a reason not to do something or to forbid someone else to do something. There is more to life than going from cradle to grave by the path of least discomfort. Refusing to face discomfort can, if we are not careful, lead to unethical behavior. When avoidance of discomfort comes at the cost of placing controls on other people, we disempower those people. And so I want to live a life of empowerment. Uh, I want to live a life of love Mm -hmm. and making people feel empowered to get and feel that full love. And I think that even in my smallness, I have that mightiness, right? Yeah. Even in the chaos of my life, there is that calm to center that that love is always present and love is that grounding force for me. And so I just hope that uh, everyone feels that, that gets to listen to this and, and that even in those lonely moments and those uncomfortable moments and those distant moments and those moments of discomfort, that you are good. And you are love. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I really appreciate you being on with me today. It's a pleasure.